Well, I love being a pastor. Um, I worked for Sears um, for 16 years and got the opportunity to help people, you know, be happy because they got new appliances or new tools or maybe a new riding mower. And, you know, that happiness didn't always last a whole long time. But being a pastor, you get to minister to people and uh, invest in their lives. They go on for eternity and build into their lives so that they have eternal rewards. But the role of the pastor in today's culture is very complex. Uh, he has to know how to teach the Bible, have a heart for the people, be able to counsel, seek help from others. In Ephesians 4.12, I mean, the role of the pastor is to equip the believers to do the ministry. And so the pastor doesn't just teach the people to do the ministry, he does the ministry himself. And uh, so he has a role in, in both aspects. And so in our world, though, often there's drawbacks of being a pastor because of the misperceptions uh, of being in ministry and being a pastor. And number one there, it says, uh, is, you know, many people think, well, you only work on Sundays. And so the rest of the week, you know, pastor just sits in his office, doesn't have anything to do, but... Um, let me tell you, that's not the, that's lazy. not the case uh, for any of us. Lazy. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Number two is, you know, they whenever you talk about pastors, a lot of times people think, oh, they just want your money. You know, all all the time you go to church, they're asking for money. Um, you come to a group, let's take up an offering. And so many people have that misperception. And then number three is they think somehow, you know, that being a pastor, you're better or you're, you're different or anything. I can remember one time um, whenever I was in Branson and playing golf, me and Rachel um, was there. She was riding with me and uh, we they paired us up with these three other guys. It was on a... Um, on a nicer course over there and so we were playing and um you know we played the first hole and man it was just you know these guys were having a good old time and using words i'd never heard and all of this stuff and so we get on number two tee box had to wait there for a minute hey what do you do and i said i'm a pastor and they said blankety blank you're lying what do you really do <laughs> and so anyway then they're like for real? <laughs> and they asked Rachel, is he lying? No, that's what he does. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And uh, about two shots in there, it all started again. They're like, oh, never mind. We can't, we can't, uh, we can't help it. So we're just going to say what we say. But anyway, but there's a lot of times, you know, you get around people and they, they say a bad word or something. They think, oh no, you know, we got the pastor here, so we can't say those things. And so they they think of you as as somebody that's that's better or different, but we're all same people living the same lives, um, and so anyway, they just kind of get a get a knock sometimes. We get a knock sometimes, but truly by the grace of God, pastors get to shepherd the local body of believers. So let's think about the church in several areas. Um, number one, we're going to talk about the purpose and the plan of the church the purpose and the plan of the church. And then we're number two, we're going to talk about the finances. What about the money in the church? 
realize money plays a major role in the ministry of the local church as we begin we need to go back to the basics though the foundations as we think about the church and finances and how it all connects with the local body so let's think about three areas number one is who is the church and it's not the building number two is what is the role of the church what is God's plan for the church then number three is how do we deal with money in the local church so who is the church what is the role of the church and how do we deal with money in the local church <clears throat> so let's start by thinking about who is the church and simply the truth is from the word of God those who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life those who have believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior those are the ones that make up the church. In Ephesians 2.20, it talks about, you know, the church is His body. And so, you know, Christ is the head, we are the body, and we're the body of Christ. And so it's the members. 1 Corinthians 12.13, we're placed in the body of Christ whenever we believe. And so we're in the body of Christ. The church is not a building, but it is the people buildings where the church meets where it gathers so as we gather we gather for worship and training and we scatter for evangelism and service so believers are to gather together hebrews 10 you know we're not to forsake the assembling together is a habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near and so as believers i mean we're called together to to join together in the body of christ so what is the role of the church? And this is misunderstood by many people as well. What do you believe the, the role of the church is? Like you mentioned that earlier, gather and scatter. Okay, so we gather for worship and training. We scatter for evangelism and service. When, but, so in talking about that, you know, many people think that you gather for evangelism. So you bring the people in to try to get them saved. But that's not ultimately the purpose of the church. You gather together to be, to be trained and equipped and to worship our Savior Jesus Christ. Whenever you scatter, that's whenever it's the individual's um, opportunity to use their gifts, talents, and abilities to evangelize, to use the information that they've gained from the gathering time, and then go out, evangelize, and then help to grow individuals. You know, it's a lot of times people come to church on Sunday morning and, um, you know, and they've been coming to to church, I mean, here at Stillwater Bible even, for several years, and then they come to like the 412 Foundations class, and we start going through those foundational truths, things that they think that they know and things that they've heard, you know, being here for a long time, but whenever you get in those smaller groups and you have the opportunity to ask questions and you kind of dig down a little bit deeper in those things, then people are like, you know, wow, I, I didn't realize this was all here and this is how it all fits together and this is what the Bible actually says versus what people say all the time. And, and so it's important that whenever we scatter out that we 
evangelize and we're doing that training aspect as well um, allowing people to ask questions have interaction and you know it's just not just what you teach in your word but it's indeed too because then you can people you invest in their lives and you get to get together with one another you see you know how it's lived out as well and so it's important that we understand you know so whenever we come together um we believe here at sort of bible that you know we come together to be trained and equipped and then we scatter for evangelism and service but we've been given a commission and um it's called the great commission it goes back to matthew 28 18 through 20 and that's what i told you to turn your bibles to matthew 28 um but that's where Jesus, you know, he comes up to his disciples. He's already died on the <coughs> died on the cross, paid for sin. He's already arose from the grave to conquer death. He's getting ready to head out, head back, and to ascend back into heaven. And um, he gives his disciples this commission, and it starts out with all authority has been given to me in heaven or on earth, and so he lets them know that he has all authority, that he is um, has all power, and it's been given to him in heaven and on earth. But then he gives the statement of what the commission is, and that is to make disciples, and so that's what we see as um, our commission is to make disciples and then how do we do that as we are going we are to be baptizing and training and uh, you know we say the word baptism is the is to dip or to identify and so we identify people with Christ by sharing the good news message of Christ with them um, letting them understand that by believing in Jesus Christ they have eternal life and so we identify them with Christ and then we need to identify them with the local body as well. And so if they're here in the town, you know, you invite them to church um, and to be a part of the local body that you are as well. But so baptism and then the second half is training. And so we say the two parts or the twofold plan is evangelism and training. And training is where we take the things that we've been taught and teach them, pass them on to other people as well. So evangelism takes place when when we scatter. Training takes place, um, you know, we get trained, we get equipped whenever we gather, and then we take that evangelism and training out into the world as well. So think about this, evangelism, we are to go and tell people the good news message of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I taught on Sunday morning Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and then there is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You know, so many people in the world think that they have a part in salvation, that I have to do good works, I have to live the right lifestyle, I have to go to church, I have to give... Um, in order to make sure that I'm saved. But we see from that passage that it's not of us, it's not of our works, it's not of our good deeds, it's by faith in Jesus Christ that we get eternal life. 
And so it's important that we know that message. The easiest way or that I use um, whenever I share the gospel with anyone is just John 3.16 because I think it's so so simple and so easy and we talk about it a lot. But I mean, for God so loved the world and so His motivation was His love for us, His love for you. Um, if you're talking to someone, you know that God so loved the world. He loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son, gave His Son to do what? To die on the cross, to pay for your sins, to rise from the grave, to conquer death, so that whoever, that includes you, anyone, will simply believe in Him. They'll not perish, but have eternal life. And so, if you believe in Jesus Christ, what do you get? You get eternal life. How long does eternal life last? By definition, it lasts how long? Eternity. Eternity, forever, exactly right. And so, you know, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life because at the moment you believe in Him, you get eternal life. So you don't have to worry about ever being separated from God um, for your friends and loved ones that's gone on before. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you have, as a gift, eternal life. <coughs> Second Corinthians 5.20 says, you know that we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. You know, and I talk about in the 412, you know, a lot that rather than begging people to be reconciled to God, rather than begging people, you know, to to listen to this message, to believe this message, most of the time we're making up excuses as to, well, I don't want to do it because so-and-so was there, and so, you know, I thought that was, was going to be the time, but somebody was there, or... You know, well, something came up, and so I just didn't get to do it. Um, I'm just not ready to share the gospel with somebody. You know, and so we have all of these these excuses. But, you know, in that passage, you know, he tells us, you've been given the word of reconciliation. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You are ambassadors for Christ. You're his representatives, and you're here for a purpose, and that is to be begging people to be reconciled to God. And so we have that responsibility. We ought to see it as important in our lives. And so that's the first part is evangelism. But then we also see that we are to be training people as well. And so we're to train people who have trusted in Jesus Christ. And that's why, you know, Ephesians 4.12, we equip the believers, that's you guys, to go out and do the ministry. And doing the ministry is both aspects, the evangelism and the training. Equipping the, the believers to go out and serve and do that. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2 says, Take the things which you've been taught and trust those to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. And so you want to look for faithful people that you can invest your time and your life into. Because we have a limited amount of time, a little limited amount of, of effort and energy that we can put into, um, into other people. And so we want to invest in people that are faithful who will be able to take the information and pass it on as well. First Peter 3.15, we've got to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. And so... You know, we got to be ready to give an answer. That's why we need to know the Word of God. That's why we need to study the Word of God. We need to be reading the Word of God. We need to be memorizing the Word of God. 
because it's so much better whenever you can tell somebody, how, how can I know for sure that I have eternal life? And you can say, because John 10, 28 says, you know, that you have eternal, I, I've given you eternal life, you'll not perish, and no one can snatch you out of my hand. You can say Romans chapter 8, you know, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's how you can know you have eternal life. Rather than say, well, because the Bible says so, you know, that you have life and you have it forever. You know, that's, yeah, I can say, well, the Bible says something else. But whenever you can take them to the Scripture, you can quote that Scripture, um, you know, your teaching can be much more effective. And so going along with that, <coughs> we know at Stillwater Bible, and this is something that everybody that goes here ought to be able to do. We used to do it um, at least once a year, and it's been quite a while, I think, since we've done it. Um, in a grow group time or any time at church but we always say that we have a purpose a plan and a process have, have has anybody in here not seen this talk have you seen it talk you haven't I have seen not it? seen it you haven't seen it talk okay so we have at Stillwater Bible, this is something that, you know, if somebody were asking you, what do you do at Stillwater Bible? I mean, what's you guys' reason for being here? Then this is what we tell people, and this is, we used to do it all the time, and people are like, you do it all the time. Well, we do it all the time because we want everybody not just to know it, but to be able to duplicate it or talk to people about it. But So we have a purpose, and we just said what our purpose is. It's to make disciples. And that's based off of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And it consists of, making disciples consists of two things, evangelism and training. In order to evangelize people, you need to know the gospel. In order to train people, you need to know the Bible. So someone who has been a believer for just a week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, has the ability to do this right here. This right here may take some time because you've got to learn the Bible before you can teach people the truths and principles from the Word of God. But our purpose is to make disciples based off of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Making disciples consists of evangelism and training. And then we have a plan. And our plan is based off of Ephesians 4.12 and that's what the 4.12 foundations is based off of this verse and um, we talk about you know our plan is that you'll know apply and be able to teach the Bible and so we say cat so we need to know the word of God we need to be applying the word of God and we need to be teaching the word of God and so, to know the Word of God, you know, you can come to church on Sunday mornings, go to grow group time, but the best way to know the Word of God is to get into smaller groups where you can ask questions, go deeper, uh, get someone to disciple you, 
um, and studying on your own. And that's one of the things that we talk about through the 412 is how do you study the Bible on your own? And we take you through that. And then applying the Word of God, uh, or 2 Timothy 2.15 is a good verse for um, know the Word of God, study to show yourself approved as a workman, need not be ashamed, accurately handling the Word of Truth. Applying the Word of God is Philippians um, 4.9, the things which you have learned and received, heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And I love how Paul says that. The things which you have learned and received, you've heard them, so I spoke them to you, and you've seen them in me, then you need to go practice these things. And so there's a great emphasis on the application of the Word of God. And then you're to teach them. And you don't just teach them the things that you know, but you teach them in word and indeed, that's how you teach them. In Matthew 28, he says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Well, you don't teach them to obey just by telling them what to do. You know, you teach them to obey by showing them how to live. People would rather see a sermon lived out rather than hear a sermon from somebody and most people can learn a lot more through the doing than they can from the hearing and so it's important that we know the word of God and we apply the word of God and then the second Timothy 2 2 that we teach them um, teach them the word of God through our knowledge and applications and then we have purpose, plan, and then the process is what we talked about as well. Um, gathered and scattered. And we gather for worship and training, and then we scatter for evangelism and service. And so we come together as body believers. We we worship together um, as we pray, as we sing, as we study. Um, they're all acts of serve or acts of worship, and then uh, and that's what we say. You know, in here we talked about giving. It's an act of worship, love, and trust, and so it's an act of worship. And then um, training. We you know we teach the Bible verse by verse, passage by passage, so that you see how the Bible fits together so that you can turn around and teach other people as well. Then we scatter for evangelism and, and service and invest in other people's lives so that we can have the opportunity to open up and to share the gospel with them. So purpose, plan, process. Purpose, make disciples, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Evangelism and service, our plan is to equip the believers to do the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ and so we equip you to know apply and teach equip the believers to do the work of the ministry which is making disciples so that the body of Christ will grow and whenever it grows grows in both aspects but if you look at that passage it grows both numerically and spiritually but if you look in that passage of Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, the key in that passage is spiritual growth. We want, you, we want the believers to grow spiritually. If you're growing spiritually 
and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is making disciples, then the body should grow numerically. doesn't always happen that way because, you know, people may move away. Um, uh, you know, like Merck Cruiser went out several years back. A lot of people left town, you know, and sometimes churches decreased in size because a lot of people left town, things like that. But spiritual growth is the key, and we want spiritual growth in the body. Um, we want mature believers. I love Colossians 1, 28 29. It says, We proclaim Him. There's your evangelism. We proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so we may present every man complete in Christ. And that has that idea of maturity that we want to, you know, and we're going to present these people to Christ is ultimately what he's talking about, that we're going to present every man complete in Christ. And so I didn't just evangelize somebody and leave them there. I equipped them, I trained them, I showed them how to live out the truths and principles of God's Word. And because of that, whenever you get there, then you're going to see that you invested in this one life, but here's 50 lives that were changed because this one life that you invested in, invested in other people. And so you're going to see the rewards that you have there, I think, are going to be exponentially bigger than what we could ever ask or imagine or even think about um, if we fulfill our, our goal and our role and our purpose in fulfilling this. Any thoughts, comments, questions? Did y'all write that down so you can tell people how to do it? Because uh, that's that's important, and we used to, like I said, go over it all the time. All right. All right, so the church and money. The church and money. How does a church deal with money? How do they get the money? How is it used? We'll look at all three areas, or we'll look at three areas. Number one is we'll look at the budget. Number two is the facilities and the staff. And then number three is offerings in the process. So first we'll talk about the budget. <coughs> and at Stillwater Bible we do the budget and coming up with a budget a little bit different than a lot of people do. Um, some people, you know, they every year they ask for pledges. And so, you know, how much are you going to pledge to give over the next year? They take in all these pledges and then they base the budget off of that. Other churches say, you know, we got in 100000 this year, and so next year, you know, I think we, things are going to be better and everything, and so we're just going to trust God, and we're going to increase the budget to $120,000, and we're just going to trust God. But, you know, whenever we make our budget, we look at what came in, what went out, and uh, make a budget based off of what what is currently happening, not 
what may happen or what's going to happen or anything like that. And so we base the budget off of, you know, the money that, that comes in. And so we think that's the wisest thing to do. So um, there's a lot of things that go in, into a budget. You know, there's money that's used to carry out all the different ministries, the pulpit ministry, grow groups, Thanksgiving uh, meal that we're about to have, youth and children's, college ministry, light, sound, missions, salaries, um, you know, all everything that we do, it takes money to make the church function. And so um, all of those things are important and they're all a part of the budget. Um, so how does all this work? How does it function? As, as I said earlier, we do things a little bit different. Number one there is we do not... Um, we do not, and number one is, ask yearly for pledges. So we do not ask yearly for pledges. And number two is, we don't see our church as fundraisers. And the truth is, you know, at Storter Bible, we don't talk about giving. We have a time of giving each and every Sunday. But, you know, we don't get up and, and talk about giving and everything. If, it, if the passage you know, talks about it, then we talk about it um, based off of where it is in the Scripture, just like we do with any other topic, but we don't, you know, make a big deal out of it. And it's amazing that God's blessed us beyond what we can ask or imagine. And even through COVID and all of those things, you know, we've been able to make budget pretty much every single month. And so, um, you know, I think God... God rewards, you know, faithfulness and and um, being diligent to to do what it is that we see the Bible says that we should do. You know, talking about, I said earlier, you know, a lot of churches they do that thing of of well, let's just trust God that the rest of this money's going in. You know, as you guys make your budgets, your your personal budgets is that the way you live make your personal budgets well i know i've only got you know a thousand dollar income but i'm going to set my budget at 1200 and god's just going to give me that other 200 every month i know it's going to work out there's a lot of people that live their lives that way you know but uh, i don't think they're trusting god for the other 200 to come in they're just um living outside of their means and building up debt and uh, that's not what we want to do. We want to build a realistic budget. And so that's the way we do it here. Um, so the area of budget and finances. So there's... Finances must be... Okay, that's where we are. Um, finances must be... We must be accountable to the people. And so um, one of the ways that, that we make sure that we're accountable, number one, is we always have the amount of giving that comes in to, towards the general budget. And then we also have that building fund. We put that up on the screen every week. But we also do have the budget um, posted in that north hallway on that bulletin board at all times. So you can go by there and look and see 
you know, how much money's come in, how much money's gone out, um, you know, in, in any of the different budgeted items and everything. So that's all up there and posted for everyone to see. They must be accurate, so have a complete accounting of, of what happens. And, uh, you know, I deal with most all the financial stuff, but um, we have one of our finance committee members comes in and uh, reconciles all the bank accounts and everything with me to make sure that, you know, everything that's being done is above reproach and and all of those things so there's checks and balances in that aspect of it and then we must obey the law and so there's different laws for churches than there are for businesses and um, you know we have to keep up with those things and make sure that we're doing everything legally and then we must use wisely what is given to us just like we've been talking about all the way through you know that each individual is to use wisely what God has given to them everything that comes into us we need to use it wisely um, for his honor and his glory just like individuals do and you know I think even we're held to even a higher standard because I mean it's your money that you worked hard for that that you're turning around and giving to us, so you want it to be used in a wise and uh, understanding manner. So next we'll talk about the facilities and the staff. The facility of the local church um, are here to help the body and to seek carry out the ministries that we do of making disciples. The church is not the building. Um, there is a different view on building some have a building say that having a building is a waste of money and so you know you shouldn't have a building you just rent someplace you meet somewhere um and but you know most places do have a building where they gather and where they serve um this building's used a lot um it's not used as much as it it was we used to have a Mother's Day Out program that met here on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, we have Highlands Latin School uses it um, right now just on Mondays, but they used to use it on Mondays and Thursdays as well. Um, and then on, let's see, Wednesday evenings, I mean, there's something going on here in the building. Um, Tuesday night there's a Bible study and then there's also a one of the women's care groups meets here at the church um, Thursday morning you, there's a men's Bible study JB's men's Bible study Friday morning he's got a younger men's Bible study that he does um, and so you know there's a lot of uses that our church gets um, and you know that's kind of changed over over the time because you know used to the many people saw the church as you know a sanctuary and you know everything in the church is sacred and everything but the truth is you know what is the temple or what is our body is the sanctuary um and so this building is a building and it can be used for whatever. It's not a sacred place or whatever. 
you know, the we call the place where we meet on Sunday morning, we call it the auditorium. We don't call it the sanctuary because, again, we're the sanctuary. Galatians 6, 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you're not your own, and so you're to glorify God in your bodies. And so, um, you know, in a lot of a lot of places, my brother, he builds churches and stuff all over the United States. And, um, you know, a lot of churches now are building the, the auditorium part over here and then as a separate building um, in, like, nursery rooms and stuff like that. But then they have a separate building that they have classrooms and stuff like that in, and then they're multi-using them um, for different things throughout the week. Either schools meet there and it's detached so you don't have the security problems of people coming in and out of the church that are coming to the church office and stuff like that because it's a detached building and all enclosed and stuff. And so um, different things like that. Another crazy thing, they're pickleball courts. They're the, they're the craze right now. He's building pickleball courts inside churches or outside of churches um, right now because everybody I mean it's like people gather and they they come together and they invite their friends to come play pickleball and then they end up start coming to church and everything he's like man it's crazy but anyway so you know the the church is not seen like it like it used to be um and you know used to you had pews all in the auditorium you know and so it was set seating now like our seats we have church in there and then people go and play basketball kids go run around and and do things on wednesday nights and so it's a lot more multi-use than what it used to be and then we have staff and there's you know staff for the, the old rule of thumb was, you know, you had up to 200 people. You could just handle it with a pastor. And then for each 100 people, um, you know, you added more staff. And so um, now there's that rule's kind of a little bit different. And so, um, but we have JB is senior pastor. I'm executive pastor. We have college pastor, um, children's director. Um, someone that helps part-time with nursery, um, youth pastor position, um, music that leads worship. And so um, a lot of them are full, some are full-time, some are part-time, but um, we've got a lot of staff that help. But the key is, is that none of us do our ministries on our own. There's so many people who volunteer and um, that's the way the body's supposed to function is that you know the members are the ones doing the ministry and going back to that Ephesians 4:12, equipping the believers to do the ministry and so they help out using their gifts talents and abilities because we're all part of the body and everything together so we want to be wise in the use of our facilities and bring the staff to oversee the ministries and equip the believers to do the ministries. Then number three is the offerings and the process there. 
Often people have questions about the church and the money that comes in, what happens to it, how is it spent. Often people think that the church just wants their money, um, but the money has to be used wisely, um, you know, and it comes from the people in the body. And, you know, and like we've talked about earlier, there's no set amount um, that we are to give as New Testament believers. You know, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 is each man purposes in his heart. You know, he is to give, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so each person is responsible for what they give and for what God has given to them. And so we're not under a law system. We give as an act of worship, love, and trust, which we've talked about before whenever we talked about giving. But what happens to the money whenever it comes in? And um, so there's a list in there, I think, of the offering process. And number one is, um, you know, we do it a little bit different now. Actually, truthfully, um, the majority of all of our giving comes in online anymore. We have, uh, I'd say, probably a quarter um, of our money, maybe a little bit more than that, comes in on Sunday mornings, like in the offering plate type thing, and then most of it anymore is, is done through online giving. And so, but for the money that does come in on a Sunday morning, um, you know, one of the elders or the finance committee members picks it up on Sunday mornings and collects it out of out of the plates that we have out there. So we want to use men of integrity who's, who's collecting the money and um, and then the money is taken back and it is counted and it's there's always two people um, who do that so that we make sure, you know, again, integrity that there's accountability that somebody's not you know they're with the money so that people can say that somebody may be taking it um so there's always at least two people who are in there and um, count the money then it's recorded and put in all the systems and everything so that um you know the money goes in and is in the proper place to whenever it's deposited and then each person's um, giving is recorded for um, their tax benefits and everything like that and so we do that and then um, the money is the cash is again double checked um, before it goes to the bank JB usually double checks it um, with me as well um, to make sure that the money that was counted on Sunday morning is the same amount of money that get, gets taken to the bank as far as cash checks. You can't really do nothing with a check, and so um, they're just put in and put through, but the cash um, is counted by two people and then double counted again before it goes to the bank. And then number four, um, the senior pastor um, generally as a rule doesn't see what people give there are times you know whenever uh, somebody gives a substantial gift or something like that and uh, he knows about it or you know sometimes if people quit giving um, you know is a sign of a problem um, either 
they have a financial problem or problem with the church and things like that. And so sometimes uh, there's exceptions that are made to that rule, but as a general rule, rule he doesn't um, he doesn't know about that. And it does it makes it makes it harder whenever you do know because a lot of people act like they give a lot of money and want their I want what I want and you know because I give a lot but yet sometimes those people don't give a lot and uh, but anyway and so it's hard not knowing but it's hard also on the other end whenever you do know because you can't say well you really don't <laughs> and number five paying the budgeted items so we got bills got salaries everything that comes in on a regular basis um, how's the money used and that's why we have the budget that we have that we present to the body um, there's allocated places that that money goes just like you making your budget at home um, for different line items that you have we have different line items and um, everything needs to fall in to whatever item it is um, whatever area it is and so that's kind of what we we look at and then reconciling the statements and everything you know just making sure that everything lines up and that it all goes into its proper proper places and then we also have the finance committee that gets the financial reports and everything and looks over those every month and the elders do as well but we as a as believers you know and everybody is they're bombarded on a regular basis um, to give you know outside of the local body we know that we are supposed to give to the local body Philippians 3 uh, 1 through 6 you know talks about um, giving to the local church Galatians 6 6 giving to the local church you know giving where you're fed um, the word of God and that's what we're we're to be doing but there's a lot of outside uh, influences that that want that want you to give to them and so some guidelines in in thinking about those areas is number one is what is the goal and the purpose of the organization number two is who is the organization accountable to and so you want to know who's the organization who are they who are they accountable to who is the number three is who is the leadership accountable to and then number four is how's the money used you know sometimes you can give to Christian organizations and a big percentage of it you know goes to um, goes to costs or whatever and it's like you know you're given to a mission organization that you think you know your money's going to this missionary or you're giving to um, you know this child in need kind of a thing and the organization holds back a big portion of the money and it's not actually going to um, what you think it is and so it's good to good to look at those kind of things
there was one guy he was wanting our church to support him and we asked him for his operating budget uh, for his ministry and everything and he didn't want to give it and so we decided we didn't want to give you don't want to give we don't want to give number five is do those in leadership exhibit godly character you know here at Stoller Bible we support over 20 different missions and mission organizations um, and we have to you know be careful with the money that that we support and the, make sure that the people that we're given to um, you know are using the money wisely that we're giving to them and so the church must be accountable accurate lawful and wise in the use of its money. Some keys um, that hold this church accountable concerning finances. We always have honest, wise men dealing with finances. And so, uh, you know, like I said, we use finance committee, elders, um, and then myself as far as holding the money and, and watching and maintaining how it's spent and that it all flows right. We pay all of our bills to maintain our testimony. You know, especially any local companies or anything like that that we use. I mean, whenever I get a bill, I turn around and try to pay it the same day or the next day. Um, you know, rather than saying, oh, well, this isn't due for another 25 days. So, you know, I'm going to hold it until that time, you know, as a part of our testimony you know let's pay the bill as soon as it comes in and and um, do that and then c is obey the laws of the government and then d is we're to give to support the ministries as believers we're to give to support the ministries not here to raise funds but to minister for god so in summary, our goal is to make disciples wisely using the resources God has given to us by those connected to the ministry. So may our church be wise, accountable, accurate, and lawful in dealing with the offerings given by the believers in this body. May this local body use wisely the biblical resources that have been given to them and the financial resources that have been given to us.